today on Know How. That portable gaming machine in your pocket. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This episode of Know How is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Take back your internet privacy today. For three extra months free with a one-year package, go to expressvpn.com slash knowhow. And by WordPress. Reach more customers when you build your business website on wordpress.com. Plans start at just $4 a month. Get 15% off any new plan at wordpress.com slash knowhow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Know How. I'm Jason Howell. Standing to my right is Sam Muscovich from Mars Technica. Howdy, howdy. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Nice shirt. Uh, we are going to talk today about mobile gaming because I think it's easy when we're talking about gaming to be very snobby about it and be like, oh, the only real gamers are on consoles or they're on PCs. And they buy $1,200 flight sticks. Anything less yes. is just not real. <laughs> it's just yeah. ridiculous. Meanwhile... Probably the most popular style of gaming, because everybody has a computer in their pocket these days, is mobile phone gaming, right? It's, it's a big deal now compared to where it was back in the days of, like, the Nokia smartphones and everything. Like, there's been a lot of evolution in this category, there's, to say the least. Well, mobile gaming is, is a fascinating thing to look at, because I feel like every year there's a different way of saying, oh my god, it's so huge. Uh, and I think just this year, in the past year, we're looking at mobile gaming, I think, in a different way because yeah. we're getting full uh, console-level games on smartphones. What, okay, so I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I feel like there has been... Uh, the, the quality of these games has really leveled up, um, especially in the last couple of years. But what does that actually mean? And, and like, how does that translate? Because when you're talking about a console, undoubtedly consoles have a whole lot more hardware behind it that's driving the console-like experience. On mobile gaming, things look better, but is it, is it kind of a pretend console quality experience? Like, how does that scale? I think the the quickest way to describe it is if every kid at a high school can share a game with each other and say it's as good as anything else they would play, yeah. then we're there. And okay. it gets to a point now where uh, I think a, a sort of high school American gaming experience tends to be online, tends to be action-filled, maybe first or third person, shooty-shoot. Uh, and that's starting to really happen with 3D. Phones aren't going to beat an Xbox One X by any stretch. Right. But we're getting to a point where th- manageable 3D is happening. And because phones have been around long enough and the screens are getting bigger, there's more room to maybe use your fingers on the screen to control stuff or to use your hands or some sort of motion. So the, g- phones have been around long enough to get stronger, to be more battery efficient, and to give us some ways to get close to feeling like you're on uh, an Xbox. And being able to sneak some gameplay in the middle of class with this thing under the table is no small 
uh, Trojan horse for this kind of stuff. Yeah, that would have been really hard for me to avoid doing uh, when I was going to school yeah. if I had a computer in my pocket. Um, and also, I think the interoperability, right? Like some of these games, it seems like the the walls that separated console players from mobile players. I mean, some of these games are truly cross-platform, and we're definitely going to talk about a few of those today that everybody's already heard of plenty, mm-hmm. uh, Fortnite, PUBG, and a, and a few others. But, I mean, th- that barrier is now down, and that kind of even if the game version on the mobile device isn't quite at the same scale of you know a visual visual clarity and that sort of stuff that you get on consoles if it's the same game and you're competing with people on consoles then what really is the difference it's just scaling for the device i mean when we think about portable gaming and mobile gaming uh, if it's a series you've heard of, chances are it was not very good or looked anything like the version that you loved when you grab it on a smartphone. I remember really old uh, flip phone versions of Tomb Raider, yeah. which were these weird 8-bit, uh, not really like Tomb Raider games, side-scrolling and slow and requiring the old clicky pads that were all on these sort of Java-enabled uh, flip phones from the 90s and early aughts. Yeah. Like, that was sort of the thing. But when it comes to Phone gaming, it's such such a transition over the years. What do you do you remember your first sm- game that you ever played on a phone? I never had one of the old Nokia smartphones. Um, I mean, the, the, I would say the first game that I really got like into, I mean, th- there were those really old flip phones that I remember there being games on, but they were so unimpressive that I can't remember those right. games. I mean, but the first time that I really got into a mobile game, uh, and I believe it was on those old ones, was Diner Dash. And I, I don't know at what era of games that came along. Maybe that was even just early Android, in mm-hmm. which case it's not nearly as impressive as I'm sure the, the factoid you're going to throw out. But, uh, but I mean, that was kind of the first mobile game where I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm playing this like every, every like passive moment that I have. Well, it was, I mean, the earliest uh, flip phone gaming was partially because in certain... It was like age- Brick Breaker and stuff. Like, I remember there being a Brick Breaker yeah, game and I played it because it was Brick boring. Breaker, but it was also so- card games yeah, were kind okay. of big. Uh, yep. Mahjong. And now, when we think about regions that had smart phone use just all over. You know, Japan is one of those where you were expected to use a smart, or not a smartphone, but a flip phone out and about as a way to get internet access. That there were different sort of speeds, different networks, different prices for phones that sort of all made phone adoption different in different places. So yeah. that sort of era of flip phone and brick phone games was mahjong and cards and that sort of simple fare. And you you could load cards on load points onto a phone the way that you loaded uh, minutes and data onto a phone in Japan. It was just very different how we got money and payment and things onto phones in different regions. And the United States was way slower than a lot of regions yeah, in that usually sense. usually is. <laughs> so, but that really did define that sort of opening era of what worked between that and just the technology. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, uh, the West and games on phones, you were really stuck. You would hope that your provider would either pre-install something decent or have some sort of terrible internet-enabled proprietary app that just stank in order to actually find games and then maybe your uh, phone provider like Sprint or T-Mobile would actually be what bills you or maybe this other company like paying for stuff was always a pain but it was just different and so it wasn't even when the app store launched in the mid to late aughts you know and that wasn't necessarily ready for games but that was just a revelation in oh this is a unified way to pay for smartphone stuff. Right. And to get content onto my phone. You know, it's sort of interesting how that kind of backbone to everything 
led to games even appearing in a way. Because if people couldn't get, couldn't get paid, they, how are the games going to get made? So, right. you know, once we get into that early iPhone era, you had that combination of, okay, now I can pay for games, and I have a touchscreen to work with, as opposed to this sort of crummy T9 interface that was generally card games and really slow platformers. Um, you know, I, I definitely did a, a snake game on one of my old Nokia yes. flip phones back when Nokia was known for being, you know, a phone maker. For sure, yes. So we had those old Nokia smartphones, smartphones, uh, Snake, Space Impact was another game. I mean, that early era was just kind of the opening, you know, the the opening of the gates uh, for entering into where we are right now. It's really kind of amazing to see how much it's it's evolved over the time uh, since then, but. Uh, I think this is this is more like an emulator of the early Nokia on a Windows phone. I love phone. that. And it's on a Windows phone, which makes yeah. it really esoteric. <laughs> right. This is a little bit dated of a link, but I wanted to find something that kind of shows, because yeah. I remember playing uh, Snake games. I mean, the things are just so much more well, complicated it's funny, now. It, it's funny to have Windows phone. It just reminds me that Microsoft, for about 12 minutes, really cared about getting smartphone games working on Windows phone. Yeah. And they, I remember they had one that was... Uh, beards and beaks. It was like you were a gnome dealing with birds, and it was a Microsoft published full blown puzzle game that was. I remember reviewing it and going, "Man, Windows Phone might have something here." <laughs> yeah, that didn't really. Yeah, didn't really yeah take good, off. good call there. Uh, all right, so we we kind of started with the early early years there. Um, and then I, I found an Ars Technica best of 2008 games list. I thought it was just kind of interesting. Oh, man. Uh, this was actually created last year by Ars staff, and I'm, sure, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, actually, I didn't see your name in there. Oh, no, no, I was not. I'm, I'm a young man. In 2008, I was uh, seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, not too far off, though. <laughs> um, anyways, it's just interesting to see even then. I mean, the games were advanced, not nearly where they are right now, but there's that whole era of one to three, ga- one to $3 games, uh, relatively simple, you know, a lot of motion of the of the actual device because wow, there was a gyroscope inside. So let's put that to use. Uh, some interesting stuff. Well, what was really what I find very fascinating when we look at the beginning of the App Store and iOS as a gaming platform, which again keep on emphasizing it every time I can. That was not what anybody at Apple wanted, especially right. Steve Jobs. It was well, very yeah. much against gaming as a thing to do on an iPhone. But back in those days, uh, games were sold as a straight-up single purchase. Microtransactions just were not a thing that people thought were going to take off. Right. And what you got were a lot of debel- developers saying, I can quickly publish a dinky little idea very quickly and make a few bucks. And that sense of, well, people will pay a buck or three bucks for a game the way they might put a quarter uh, in an arcade machine. So you had a lot of these genius, single-touch kind of things. Uh, Ziggurat was one of these, and there are a few games that are called Ziggurat. I just remember it because it was one of these uh, single-touch games that was made by this really brilliant dude, Tim Rogers, who's now over at Kotaku. He does great stuff over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where you're just like pressing a single time on the screen and moving uh, around to shoot a laser. And you just killed as many things as you could until you died. So there was a lot of that feeling of we're back in the arcade. Of that simple burst of the, the basic thing that you do with like one finger and one touch uh, and all of a sudden you're like in a like, oh my god I've been playing this for three or four hours. It's just a really really cool kind of era of, of smartphone games. But that kind of withered up 
in the past five years. The sense of I'm going to get a you know a cool, awesome game idea that's just you pay once and you're right. done. All right. So uh, and then we've kind of moved from those kind of starting games to this big explosion of like the the Clash Royale, the Candy Crush, which you know talk about like in-app purchases. <laughs> and not knowing whether they could make money off of it. It's crazy how much money they're making off of in-app purchases, and, and this was like kind of the explosive era mm-hmm. of that. Well, Supercell just really understood very early on that they could get that sort of microtransaction model and a game that just felt good to play. Uh, Clash of Clans was just very good at giving you a city to build and options, and then you defended that thing you built. And whatever level you were at... You had a game to play. You didn't have to spend money, but they were also very good at going, hey, if you spend more money, you can have more elaborate base building. Right. You're still ultimately, like, you're not going to win more because of these options, but you'll have more to do if you spend money. And I think that was one of these moments where people said, oh, that's not the worst in terms of this microtransaction model. That doesn't mean everybody's been great in that sort of respect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, Candy Crush is just... Just the number of people who get into it and get hooked and want to just play one more and are willing to cough up a few cents at a time to do that, that's worked. I mean, that's why King, its creators, got acquired by Activision for 50 gazillion dollars, give or take, uh, not too long ago. <laughs> rough, rough and Activision yeah. has absolutely taken that acquisition and sort of put that mentality in all these other studios with some uh, not-so-great results on console. But they're, you know, how people are willing to spend money uh, in games definitely changes how the games are made. Yeah, and it's interesting when you talk about like paying upfront versus in-app. I mean, now what we're moving into in the last year, especially with PUBG, with Fortnite, is you know the the pay-to-play, the free to free to play. And the level of quality that you get, like when I installed PUBG for the first time, when I installed for- Fortnite for the first time, you know, and even preparing for this on the consoles, these things are basically, they're free, right? They're free. Yeah. And the, the level of quality that you get out of them is unbelievable. Obviously, they're banking on the fact that when you're in there, you get so addicted to the game that you want to pay for these upgrades and, and, uh, stuff like that. And that's working very well, well I should ha- say, for, and what's happened for is there, it's when you pay, it is for stuff that has nothing to do with with how you play, but how you flaunt. Yeah. And that was, Fortnite was very... That is unbelievable They were me. really clever at saying, you know what, we're going to make it clear how you can sort of show yourself off in this mode where you're playing up against a hundred other people. Now, I find this crazy as a guy who likes camouflage. Some of these outfits in Fortnite and dance moves are very flashy. I don't yeah. want anything bright and orange when I'm trying to survive against 99 other people. But some folks really just want to have that ability to get some sort of swag. Whether uh-huh. it's a dance move or an emote or what have you, that that's there and people have responded. And there may be just a sense of a tip jar quality where you go, you know what? I spend $10, I get this battle pass, and then I acquire sort of currency, and that will actually earn me money to spend more inside of it. It's just sort of saying, you know what? Just give us a little money and we'll keep you around and keep you as part of a club. Yeah. And that, I think that's really interesting in terms of saying the game's going to be good no matter whether you spend money or not. But there's a way for us to make money, and gamers go, well, that's way better than this loot box stuff where it's just some random surprise that appears if maybe I spend some cash. It feels a little less manipulative. It's, it's, that transparency, I think, is a good sign 
for people wanting to make money and make good games in the AAA phone space. Yeah. So we got Fortnite, we got PUBG as, as good kind of modern smartphone games right now. Uh, Elder Scrolls Blades is something that I think pre-order uh, September 7th, so very recently. Uh, by the time this episode airs, I'm not sure if it's going to be out. You, you put out on Twitter, though, you were playing. Right, yeah. Bethesda, uh, Bethesda has been uh, playing around with more smartphone games. Fallout Shelter being their take on sort of the world sim management style, but with that sort of dark fallout. You know, it's a post-radioactive uh, uh, fallouty war stuff. Uh, and people have gravitated to that. They can play for free or they can throw money down to add some silly stuff. And Elder Scrolls Blades is a one-handed adventure. Uh, on the video feed right here is me playing... Uh, an early unfinished version of the game. Some of the touches didn't register, yeah. but you're able to use one finger to manage the camera, uh, to move around, um, and to fight. And you can essentially do different sort of swipes or taps when you're fighting one or two creatures to do what you got to do. Um, I found it was very fluid, and I thought yeah. to myself, as soon as I played it, I said, I can absolutely see myself being on a bus, on a commute for 40 minutes, banging out some quick, solid adventuring where I have to make some strategic decisions uh, and feel like I'm playing something that's... It's not... Clearly, it's not a full Elder Scrolls experience in terms of questing and stuff, but you look at it, and this is on uh, the iPhone X, not the XS or XS Max, iPhone 10, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, so you're going to need something relatively modern to work, but they say it'll scale down to, to weaker phones. Okay. And uh, whenever Bethesda says it's done, it's hopefully going to, some version will be out later this year. You'll be able to build your own little cities in one of the modes, and I think that's where some of the money's going to come in, ah, to where you right. can like spend some money to swag out whatever kind of space you want to have in your virtual space, or you can just ignore that and run around and kill things. So we'll have to see exactly how it's monetized. But this is an example of, a, it looks like an Xbox 360 game in, your, mm -hmm. in the palm of your hand, and I think it's probably going to scale to older phones pretty well. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. And then Asphalt 9, I've, I've mentioned I'm a, I'm a big fan of racing games, and I've been really happy with the quality of racing games that you can get on mobile. And, you know, they, they integrate kind of the, the tilting of the phone to steer if you choose, because I think one big downside to, to mobile phone gaming as relates to, you know, comparing it against consoles is the on-screen tapping of controls, especially if you're emulating the old-style controls on an on-screen control mechanism. Like, it's just never nearly as good, right? And so with racing games, they have different ways that you can play. And this game is actually pretty phenomenal. Yeah, Asphalt 9, Asphalt 9, is 9 has awesome. done a, it's done a very good job of putting itself out there and saying, you probably don't need to hold down uh, the accelerator, because it's an right. arcade racer, so we're just going. Uh, you can use tilt for some of the steering and tap on the screen for some of the more aggressive steering maneuvers, or for your nitro, or things like that. But ultimately, it's that sense of these phones are powerful enough to make a well-lit, decent virtual world to race through yeah. and have the cars look shiny and realistic. And you don't need a lot of processing power to make it look like cruising USA. Yeah. Oh, and, and, you know, it's <laughs> Thank you for putting it in terms that I can understand. But, now. I mean, it certainly looks better than cruising USA. <laughs> yes. But you're looking for something like that where you're going, yeah, I want to go super fast and cruise around for 10 minutes while I'm yeah. on a commuter waiting for something, waiting for my kid to finish with soccer or what have you. So yeah. it's, they're in a right spot for that, for making that feel fun and feel like, okay, yeah, maybe I'd send a few bucks to unlock my favorite car faster, but I've got plenty I can race with in the meantime. 
not so bad. All right, so this has kind of been a little look through the history of, of mobile phone gaming. Uh, when we come back, we need to thank the sponsor, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what kind of the baseline minimum. What do you actually need when it comes to mobile in order to get uh, you know a good quality, console quality uh, gaming experience on mobile? And we'll talk about that in a second. But first, we're going to thank the sponsor of this episode of Know How. This episode of Know How is brought to you by ExpressVPN. The IoT, the Internet of Things, has made life a lot easier. Now we can do a whole lot of things that we weren't able to do very easily before. We can control thermostats remotely. We can get updates from our fridge on what food we need to restock. But increased convenience, as you well know, comes at a price. An unprotected IoT device is a goldmine for hackers. Many devices were not built with security in mind. So to protect yourself, you can try the ExpressVPN app for routers. ExpressVPN runs a secure VPN directly on your router, which encrypts internet data for every device that happens to be on your home network. It's all passing through that router. ExpressVPN is the only VPN provider that we trust, that I trust, for protecting all of my devices. The ExpressVPN app for routers is super easy to set up. Or you can purchase a router with the firmware pre-installed. Every device gets ExpressVPN protection the moment it connects to your router. That's the beauty of having this within the router. An ExpressVPN subscription also comes with apps for computers, for smartphones and tablets, all giving you on-the-go protection. And ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. And it costs less than seven bucks a month. And I happen to be a big fan of the app running on my phone as well. Sure, it's great through the router, but when you're out and about, it's really nice to have it just installed on my Android device. And I know it's always working, protecting me at, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots and that sort of stuff as well. So take back your internet privacy today. You can find out how you can get three extra months free with a one-year package at expressvpn.com slash know-how. That's expressvpn.com slash know-how, and you'll get three extra months free with a one-year package. Just visit expressvpn.com slash know-how to learn more. Okay, so we have the smartphone that we have in our pocket. Is it good enough to do these games? I would say, from from my own perspective, it really seems like they've done a good job of allowing, the designers have done a good job uh, at allowing different devices to scale appropriately, right? You don't necessarily need, like, top-of-the-line, $1,000 smartphone in order to play a lot of these games. Correct. There's... The ma- some of the most popular 3D engines out there, particularly Unreal Engine 4 and Unity, are designed, they're advertised in this sort of, it'll scale to whatever device, put on it on the newest Xbox, or the weakest Nintendo Switch, or everything in between, and phones. Uh, and Fortnite, one reason it's huge is because the people who make the Unreal Engine worked on Fortnite, and they've really busted their butts to try and get that to scale. And PUBG Mobile also has uh, Unreal Engine in, under its hood as, as the, the path to that. So yeah, you have a lot of leeway. You can't take your oldest, oldest phone, but if it's in the past four years, you have a decent chance. Yeah, you're probably going to be okay. Um, let's start with iOS. We don't have a, an iPhone here in hand because... Neither of us are iPhone users. Uh, the Macintosh, of course, is uh, if his handle didn't give it away. He's but. probably putting something in post right now with like stinky mustaches on our face. Or something. <laughs> right. Honestly, I think you know it, he might actually be playing this game on his iPhone. But uh, when you're talking about iOS, 
I mean, Apple's done a really good job at keeping their older versions of their phones still pretty current, pretty modern. Mm-hmm. What do you think's baseline for like where? At what point is someone going to uh, start realizing that their phone is just too old to run some of these newer games? Well, you know, I I would have said, and I still think generally a baseline iPhone Seven. Uh, in terms of how old that is, what kind of chip it has, the specs it has. But man, Apple keeps on updating phones even older than that. Yeah. I, we've uh, just had tests on uh, for iOS 12 that indicate that you can be even older than iPhone 7 and get some generally good snappy performance. That's not going to make your 3D games run beautifully. But depending on the game, you can turn the settings way, way down, and it might look blurry or smeary and not necessarily be the best, but that you know you might have something to work with. And especially if a game is free to play, you should right. just take the phone you have and try uh, on, on iOS in particular because iOS is so standardized that you know everybody who's making games for iPhone knows, well, there's only you know eight models that are modern mm-hmm. that we can kind of scale accordingly with those. Right, right. Uh, and I think that the quality ramping you know, aspects of, of these games, like I know with, uh, with PUBG, which <laughs> I have running here on not an iPhone, on a new brand, Z8, which has a MediaTek chip. We'll talk about this in a second. But on PUBG, right when you're setting it up, you get a selection of like low, medium, high and if you're running on an older device you you select low low is going to make it obviously run better on your device but that's better than not running at all right <laughs> i mean the biggest the biggest hit you're going to get when you do that is going to be uh resolution you're just okay. going to have more pixel crawl and when you're dealing with a game like uh, Fortnite or PUBG where there's things way in the distance that you're trying to shoot at that that oh, can that mat- could actually it, matter. It can matter. That doesn't mean you can't play the game, but that can be a hit. So in that sense, if you really think that that's going to really mess you up, iPhone 8 would be sort of a baseline. If you're like, I've got to have every pixel, yeah. you'll be fine, I think, if you're on iPhone 7 otherwise, uh, on the iOS side for any of these uh, free-to-play 3D games. Okay. And, and they also kind of change the, um, the control mechanisms as well, right? Like some of them simplify on shooting and aiming especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you can you can kind of get in there and select, like, I want kind of an expert control mechanism where I control everything. You can also play it to where it kind of controls for you. Right, there's some and of them... on do- mobile screen, that actually comes in really handy. Yeah, on a mobile screen, some of them will do some automatic aiming or automatic shooting. Sure. If you've got your sights set on a bad guy in that way, right. uh, I don't... I always turn that off. I'd rather play with a blurry screen in challenge mode, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, also, you can actually, with these phones, depending on how wide the ratio is, you can move the buttons around. You can go in and customize I've with most that. of these yeah. games. Where do I want my shoot or move buttons? Uh, what, how much freedom do I have for a thumb to put down? Do I want a shoot button on both the left and right side of the screen? Like, you can go pretty crazy with that. And so when you're in a newer phone territory and you've got a wider aspect ratio, that's really nice to have that extra room to move those buttons around. So if you think, oh goodness, I could never play uh, a console-grade game on a smartphone screen, that wider ratio might be a necessity. So Mm -hmm. be prepared for that. If you think, okay, I do want to jump in and do this smartphone gaming, but I have uh, concerns about it not being a real joystick, that wider ratio might be your deal breaker. Right. Okay, so that's iOS, Android, which I kind of jumped the gun a little bit, but we've got your phone right here on the right. This is the uh, Samsung Galaxy S8. S8 Plus. Running Fortnite. Uh, this on the left, I already said, is the new Z8. This is a pretty outdated device. This is, I think, at this point, two and a half, three years old. Uh, so in Android world, that's pretty outdated. Yep. MediaTek 6725 processor with two gigs of RAM. Uh, but yet still, 
totally capable of, of running it because we've got it on, on low power. Obviously, we're not playing through. But what do you think are, are really important specs as, as relates to Android when you're getting into this realm? Snapdragon's pretty essential? I would say because most uh, main mainline mainstream phones, whether they're flagship or lower tier, tend to be on that Snapdragon uh, line. And yeah. you're going to... I look at the year 2016, at the flagships in 2016, and the Snapdragon 820 was sort of a baseline at that point. Yep. With So that's sort of... And these are system-on-ships, so we're not talking about separate, like on a PC. We're not talking like GPU and CPU. It's the sort of SOC all-in-one kind of thing going on. Um, and in fact, I'm just going to hit play on this as we talk about... Uh, because I've got mine in a playground mode. But yours is running pretty smoothly. Now, I mean, it's a little re- choppy at times. Yeah. But. but I mean, just that sense of, as I look down, I'm not looking at that main feed. I'm just looking at yours moving around. Yeah. You know, the, uh, mostly... It oh, froze you, up Well, it's, the match is starting. Oh, you, is, I see. You're in the loading zone. You could, you could just punch dudes with that punch button. But the point being, no, I don't want everyone just to see us playing games, but you sort of have room to work with because that new phone, I, it's, you know, that's a, diff- that's a, two, gig- that's a two gigabyte RAM... <laughs> Machine uh, phone, which used to be like, <laughs> oh my goodness, good. that's like the best. You know, two gigs used to be like, oh my goodness, I gotta have that, and now it's not. Yeah, now yeah. Two gigs is not enough. It's oh, not. Some oh. people consider two gigs not that much RAM, but here we yeah. are on an S8 here on Fortnite. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna jump, and there's a choppiness to this point where there's a bunch of stuff on the screen. Right now, right. we're doing the drop, um, which is you know. And I've got a little virtual joystick here to speed it up. But even now, as I get closer to the Earth, I'm getting closer to almost 30 frames a second. Kind of finally and 30 frames finds a, its point. 30 frames a second is what you're hoping for on a smartphone. You could, with some games and some settings, get all the way to 60. But 30 is what you're hoping for. And as we, and this is a practice mode I'm in, so no one's going to be shooting at me as far as I know. But I've got one finger on the left side, and that's a virtual joystick. And it's pretty good at letting me let go and come back. And I, it's, it, you know, as someone who really doesn't necessarily love smartphone gaming, I'm going to switch to gun mode. There we go. So I don't have that thing in my way. But I've got, you know, a, uh, a weapon button on both sides. Yeah. So I can do that or I can do that because I'm going to want to use one finger for aiming my movement and one finger for running. So I'm not quite to 30 frames a second, and this is an S8, but that's because I've got this on medium settings. So okay. I could, I'm getting a little bit more shadow quality, and I'm getting a little bit more pixel quality on this machine. So this is a, it's that. a relatively recent phone, and it's not going to run as smoothly as an Xbox, but it's, it's doing the job, especially in my pocket. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, when you get, oh, here's... Oh, Josh oh, just has to one-up us. Someone is clearly wanting a, a, an iPhone on this. Now, remind me exactly which iPhone we're looking at. This is the... the this is the <laughs> 10S Max. Wow. So this is vi- uh, as new as it gets here. So do I just hit that to play? Well, I want to... I kind of want to get it up to maximum settings here. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to go up to the gear if we can do this. We can always edit some of this in post. And we're going to have... Uh, it's on high settings, so that's pretty good. And now we're going to go back. And now the touch points, even on this large screen, the touch points are really small. <laughs> but now, so we just did, so we're going to compare what I just did on an S8, which is in medium settings, to an XS Max on high. And now, now right. look at this, look at this smoothness here. We are easily at 30 frames a second. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, there's a little, there's a tiny bit of choppiness, but man, we're above the island right here. Yeah. And I'm moving my smooth. finger around, and we're getting a smoother, 
We're getting more detail down there. I mean, I'm not freeze-framing and showing you frame-by-frame frame how right. it's different. But, right. you, but you can feel it, and it's, it's easy, even on the live stream, to, uh, you know, on the, the feed, to, to detect the differences between yeah, what we were seeing in all three states. This is know, really intense here because here. we're above on the island. There was a lot of polygonal pull here. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's being uh, drawn in, and I am... You know, there's a little bit of pop in, like my fingers obscuring a little bit. So, like as you get closer to a tree, it suddenly, randomly, like gets more detail. Yeah. But this is absolutely running smoother. So, if you're gonna buy the brand new expensive 10s Max, you're gonna get something out of it, yeah. and that bodes very well for you know the next couple of years of phones. Yeah. And this, if this is kind of baseline <laughs> as yeah. far as the games that you're gonna get, so that that kind of leads me to this idea of gaming focused. Devices. There are phones that are coming out, particularly, obviously, in the Android space, uh, that are being designed with gamers in mind. Razer has a phone, the Razer phone, 120 hertz uh, display, 8 gigs of RAM, Dolby sound. So they're adding these things that they think gamers are going to want. Asus has the uh, the Rogue, the ROG phone. <laughs> I think it's the Rogue is how you pronounce that. Uh, 90 hertz display, so not quite 120 hertz. 8 gigs of RAM, a vapor chamber cooling system. Dual screen dock is another option for this. Um, what do you think about these gaming focused phones? Do you think they actually solve a, a, a problem that, that uh, mobile gamers are looking to solve? Man, I'm not so concer- sure that we're in a point where we need to worry about 90 frame a second phones. I think we, you know, 60 frames a second isn't happening on Fortnite on this expensive phone yet. So getting worked up about that kind of refresh is honestly more about just the general swiping between menus and web browsers. Some people really want that smoothness into that. That's not going to so much pop. You're not going to get amazing Asphalt 9 performance because of these like liquid cooling chamber things. That's a lot to put in your pocket. You know, at some point, it's going to be more about the chips that we have just running cooler by default. And that essentially giving that bit of more horsepower. But we're still, especially in the Android space, you know, we did mention, you know, a spec that's relatively new, which is 2016 flagship. Because when you're an Android, there's no guarantee. It's so fractured. There's so many different phones, so many different resolutions. uh, It's just harder for, um, you know, a a game maker without using something like Unreal or Unity to optimize for Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And Unreal and Unity aren't necessarily super optimized for all of those different phones. So I think it's just going to be more about this sort of baseline of, you know, 2017 and 2018 flagships running cool enough, uh, not destroying your battery immediately so that you can play some Fortnite, you know, in the middle of your day. Yeah, right on. Awesome. So that's kind of a look at at what you can get out of these mobile phones. Uh, We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can improve the gaming experience. Maybe there are some ways that you can take it to the next level with a device that you already have, and we will dive into that. But first, got to get the next level. Okay, yeah, you keep playing, and we'll we'll do this break and thank the sponsor of KnowHow. This episode of KnowHow is brought to you by WordPress. You already know all about WordPress because it's on so many sites. WordPress is everywhere online. When you need a website, you probably already have a vision. You just need to know how to execute that vision. Uh, choose WordPress.com because there are no limits. Uh, you're free to create the ultimate online hub, whatever it happens to be, that is truly yours. And you also have room to grow as you kind of aim higher, as your vision evolves with your site. So you can turn your vision into a reality and launch your website on WordPress.com. It's actually very easy to do so. On WordPress.com, you can choose from hundreds of designs, and you just kind of peruse through those those designs. You match your vision 
maybe establish your brand. No matter how much design experience you have, you have a lot of great starting points, uh, great points to launch from. It's hassle-free. WordPress takes care of the hosting, the security, and the software updates so you can focus on your site. The most important thing is you've got your focus on your site. They're taking care of the rest. You can upload images, video, audio, and more. You can also import and export content to and from your WordPress website. It's your site, your home after all, so it's your content. You should be able to do with it what you want. Grow your audience and reach new customers with built-in SEO, social media features, and marketing tools. With with the WordPress app, you can manage your site on the go. It's just in the mobile app, and you can dial it. You can pull that up on your phone and uh, and manage it on the go. And you can launch your website with confidence, knowing that you can get help from a twenty four seven support team when you need it. WordPress plans start at just four dollars a month, and uh, like I said, WordPress is everywhere. You, whether you know it or not, 32% of all websites are running on WordPress. So you know you've seen them. You've come across many of them uh, in just being an internet citizen. So uh, why don't you add your site to the list? Right now, get 15% off any new plan purchase. Just go to wordpress.com slash know-how and you can start creating your website and take a look at what's what's offered there. That's wordpress.com slash know-how for 15% off your new website wordpress.com slash know-how. We thank WordPress for their support of know-how. All right, finally, you've got that smartphone in your pocket. You're like, you know what? I'm sick of tapping on the screen to control my dang game. There, We have options, right? There's, there's options for all of the faults that maybe mobile gaming brings with it. Controlling can be a bear. Uh, battery, if you're if you're churning through, you know, a, a very processor-intensive uh, game, your battery's going to deplete faster, right? Mm-hmm. You absolutely, if you are going to play games on your smartphone until someone invents the most incredible limitless battery, <laughs> you need a battery pack. Chances are you're rocking a battery pack anyway because you've got that old phone that you're like, wanted. you want it to last another six, seven months maybe. But absolutely, you want to find that battery pack that fits into whatever kind of bag or pocket you might go with. We've opted for today to show off a really thin one Talk to me about this guy here. Well, I mean, this is actually just one that I've had for a few years. This is the Mophie uh, 2X. It's a 4,000 milliamp hour battery. So arguably, it's not a whole lot more than just like doubling the battery that you have in your phone. That's But a that's lot. probably enough. So, well, that's certainly you want. I mean, because again, I mean, it's super thin. Well, your right? consideration may very well be what's, what's in my pockets. Do I have a bag? Right. So you, having something thinner uh, won't give you as many uh, milliamp hours as you might want, but it's going to follow you around a lot more in your life. So I always recommend when people are going for these is to go smaller and thinner to start uh, and maybe to get a secondary big thick one for the road. Um, But, you know, it's... Nobody, Apple is not making their own battery pack. Google doesn't make a battery pack. You're really going into quite a crazy third-party world of battery stuff in order to get the best results. So... Mm. And, I mean, they, you know, all different types of, uh, of form factors. Obviously, this is a nice flat one with a, with a standard kind of USB plug here. You're probably not going to get the gains of, like, a USB-C, 
you know, power delivery port, Correct. you know, so you won't get the speed pass through in this case to the Pixel 2 XL that I have. Mm. Uh, but they have battery packs that do take that into consideration. And maybe this is enough to keep your phone still charged up enough as long as it's, as long as it's en- as fast enough to charge up more than it's depleting mm. down, then you're going to be okay. But Burke also brought this in and I'm not entirely sure on the model of this, but I mean, you've got all different types of, you know, form factors. Is that taking, well. is this that taking a, a flashlight? An, okay. <laughs> hey, man, that's kind of useful if you're going to go that big. You might as well have a little bit of power for yeah. a flashlight that doesn't require your phone's terrible flashlight. Totally. But these ba- these external battery packs are going to come in, uh, in really handy, even outside of just gaming. But so ultimately, you're, you're, we're not telling you to get one of these because your phone can't handle on its own battery. No matter what, your phone is going to be fine. It's going to run hot is one of the bigger deals. So just be mm-hmm. concerned about that. Like, you don't want to have, for example, you don't want to glue your battery pack to your phone or <laughs> yeah, something do like that. that. You want to come up with some sort of solution. Your phone is ultimately going to dissipate heat the best that it can. It's going to run hot. It may throttle <laughs> itself as you play, whether or not you have a battery plugged in. So don't think of a battery as this like necessary thing or that's going to fix some of the issues with mobile gaming, including heat. Man, uh, just think of it as sort of an accessory that if you want to take your life device that has your calendar and your email and all of that and you know get a few you know a couple of hours of gaming into an average day yeah you're going to want one of these bad boys so what probably the most frustrating thing for me is controlling games on a touch screen it's not always the easiest especially when they're emulating an actual controller the beauty is in many cases you can take this is an 8 bit do or 8-bit Doe SF30 Pro controller, you could take this and actually sync it via Bluetooth to your phone and then control your games that way. Yes, and you also have right here a PlayStation 4 DualShock 4, which also has the uh, Bluetooth uh, enabled, and a lot of both iOS and Android recognize most Bluetooth controllers in a pretty standard way, especially since they have a pretty traditional suite. A D-pad, a couple of joysticks, triggers and bumpers... Uh, you, you can get a lot of mileage out of that sort of default standard. And syncing up really is as easy as holding down whatever the sync button is on your controller. They're all different. And then going to Bluetooth and look for a new device. Uh, that combination will get you connected, and you'll just want to check the instructions for the controller you happen to have. If it has Bluetooth built in, you've got a path. Uh, and even the Xbox One controller, if you have a newer version of the Xbox One controller, those were updated to add Bluetooth functionality as well. Okay. So whatever console you have, you may have a Bluetooth-compatible controller already. The catch, of course, is that not every game will support your uh, Bluetooth controller. Uh, PUBG Mobile, we were just testing out, yeah. didn't play nice. Yeah. Asphalt 9 was giving us some trouble where it recognized some of the buttons but not the joysticks. Maybe that's mapping. Maybe there's some sort of mapping and it depend- strangeness it, going on there. It depends on, on the game that yeah. you're playing about that mapping. But just understand that it is a little more Wild West than we would like. It would be great if someone like Apple or Google came out and said, we have a, a controller or an API or just something so that you have a no-fuss path to getting your games to work with a controller. But that being said, you still have buttons as an option, especially some of the older games. Uh, I know on your phone you have Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Those games, Sega has done a really good job with its ports of making sure that Bluetooth functionality is there because while I can handle some touchscreen controls yeah. for some of the newer 3D games, that twitchy stuff, that old retro stuff, 
really to me, I need that D-pad and button action. And, and that's so, how we remember playing it anyway, right. so it's nice to get as close to that right. as possible. So, so if it's a game that you would expect to need a gamepad for, you have a shot. So definitely check on a case-by-case basis. But the biggest thing is generally so many game controllers support Bluetooth that you have something to try in your closet at the very least. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then we also, I mean, if you go back to the DualShock, which, by the way, kind of touching on what you, you were mentioning, uh, what some re- relatively recent news is that the new version of Android, Android Pie, they added specific controller support for the PS4 DualShock Lovely. 4 controller. So I think in that case, it's easier than ever to take the controller you already have and just uh, loop it right in. Of course, you got to have Android Pie, and nobody has Android Pie yet. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, you can also see here, this is a clip, and these are pretty easy to come by. This is a controller smartphone uh, mount for the PS4 controller, but I'm sure you can find these for other controllers. Some of them are more kind of integrated. The controller has one already attached to it. This is actually a clip that just goes around the, the standard PS4, and that allows you to then, you know, once you've got it all synced up and everything, just to kind of take it around the phone and pop it in right there, and it becomes a truly kind of like mobile station, uh, as it were. You might look a little goofy on the bus, sure. but you'll almost certainly get a better, you know, kill count. So, you know, <laughs> what's, your, what's your trade? I mean, you know, where are you going to set your phone? I guess is the, is the question in that regard, right? Like, if you're truly mobile and out and about, you would need something to put, prop your phone up on and play. This allows you to just kind of have it. I love the idea of in. you taking the retro Super Nintendo controller as a slight, like, 10-degree grade for your smartphone. <laughs> look, you, you work with what you got here. <laughs> yes. But, you know, but it is nice. Bluetooth does give you that sort of range and it's just really up to game developers to really tap into that and support it. Yeah, yeah, right on. Cool. Um, did we miss anything? I think, I think, think we kind of dived into... I think we finished a little early so you and I can go sit on the bus and play some Fortnite. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's do that. Um, hope you've enjoyed this. Next week we're going to not have an episode. That's right. Next week is Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. So uh, we are going to be dark next week. The following week, we will return, and we're going to have, I'm really looking forward to this, a holiday games guide. Sam, you've been tracking all the games throughout the course of the year for the different consoles, and so I figured, you know, ahead of the holiday season, this will be about a month you know, ahead of, of the holiday season, you have plenty of time to buy uh, that the, just the right game for whoever it is, the gamer in your life. And we'll kind of run through some of your favorites. I'm thinking about it. Yes. Put that in your noggin. Uh, let's see here. Links, show notes, past episodes, subscribe links, everything that you need. Go to twit.tv slash kh for know-how. You're going to find all the information on how to subscribe to this show, dive into the archives, and check, go all the way back to episode one if you like, and spend all of your time watching all the episodes and the different permutations of this show. Twit.tv slash kh. Uh, you can find us on Google+. Plus. We have a very vibrant community there of other fans of this show nearly 12,000 fans pitching in and helping each other out on all the topics that we cover on this show as well as very makery projects and things like that so you'll find your people in there uh, as for uh, our work on the web you're on Twitter, you're also on Ars Technica tell people a little bit about that. Sam Red on the Twitter and other stuff, ArsTechnica.com has my articles about games technology, crazy virtual reality glasses, everything in between, find me there <laughs> right on Sam, I am at Jason Howell on Twitter and of course all over the, uh, the Twit network and then we have Josh uh, the Mac and Josh on Twitter is that yeah, right? He's, he's pimping his no. Instagram. I thought. No, oh. no, 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 none, none of that. Um, I'm actually pimping my Snapchat this week. Okay, hit oh. us up. What's and uh, I'm, I'm on Snapchat. I am 
The Mac and Josh. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. So yeah, yeah, I know. It's, I'm oh, adding that right now. You're smart, man. Yeah. You use like the same name in different places. No, it's The Mac and Josh on oh, Snapchat. Oh my goodness. You should oh. see what he just posted. I'm just super confused. I didn't know anyone was on Snapchat anymore. Uh, I think that's it. We've reached the end. Uh, we'll see you all, not next week, but the week after. And uh, now that you know how, have some turkey. We'll see you in a few weeks. Bye, everybody.